Hey guys, Rick here from Fueled by the Outdoors. Afflictor Broadheads has let us in on some exciting news. Their hybrid mini broadheads are finally back in stock. They're on AfflictorBroadheads.com right now. You should rush over there right now. Go check them out. The newly designed K2 Mini and Hybrid X Mini feature a patented non-shearing drive key to deploy the blades without losing any kinetic energy. They also feature a newly designed blade angle for better edge retention and superior penetration. On top of all that, the Mini line features the new Sex Bolt system for a more precise fit and added durability. These broadheads are a favorite of afflictor shooters, so you don't want to wait too long to get some for yourself. Personally, I'm going to rush over there right after I'm done recording this and pick up a pack myself. Learn more at afflictorbroadheads.com. You're listening to the Fueled by the Outdoors podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe, tell us what you think in the comment section, and leave us a review. I just hammered a good one. Dropped him. Asher. Never yeah, seen that deer before. It's a tough pill to swallow after having that deer at 18 yards. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Rick Cates. I am solo today. It's a beautiful weekend day, a couple weeks before deer season, so I thought it'd be a good idea to kind of sit down and talk to everybody a little bit about um, things that we may have overthink, things that we may overdo, things that we may not think enough about sometimes, actually. Chris isn't with me today because him and Josh are working on some filming stuff and actually, they are still prepping and getting stuff ready for their Nebraska trip uh, that we discussed on the last podcast. But something that I thought to discuss today is obviously mobile hunting is what we we have been concentrating a lot on lately. So I thought I'd give a little bit of my background in it and where I was and where I'm at now with regards to this stuff. And and maybe it'll help somebody out there who's who's taking the leap into trying something a little bit different and breaking out of those uh, normalized habits that they've had for their entire life. So when I started out hunting, I was very much a climber guy. I still own a climber. I think a lot of people still do. They're, they're great to have to get into, you know, I guess what would be described as the mobile hunting world. It's changed a lot over the past few years, but realistically now, it's it's been upgraded and a lot of you know people use saddles or hanging hunts or different mobile stands or you know different kinds of stuff like that realistically um i grew up hunting out of climbers and ladder stands because that's what i felt comfortable with and that's what i had available to me and i realized that some people who are going to be listening to this still have that stuff and they still use that stuff and it's it's got a time and a place and I still <clears throat> will hunt out of a ladder stand every once in a while just because I like doing it and there's nothing wrong with that realistically this is the time of year where people kind of come out of the woodwork and you know start bashing people for how they hunt where they hunt you know ethically what they do, how they do it. And the first thing I want to say before I get into this is everybody's a little bit different. Everybody's got their own opinions on stuff. Everybody's got their own way of doing things. Certainly, I've had my own way of doing things. And, you know, you go through life even without 
being in the hunting world and everybody's got different ways of doing stuff, but it doesn't mean that their way is wrong or better. It just means it's, it's their way of doing it. Now, certainly there are better ways of doing things, but if someone's not ready to move into that world, that's okay. Where I'm at currently, and we discussed this a little bit on the last podcast, is I went from an XOP Vanish that I bought used and two EWO lightweight sticks with uh, two-step aiders on them. And I have now moved, I kept the same sticks, but I'm using a Novix Hilo this year. It's a much lighter stand, smaller platform uh, than my XOP, but I kept the XOP just in case um, I want a bigger platform or I you know, don't have to walk you know, a ridiculously long amount of time into a place and try to, you know, get into an area and I can just get up in a tree quickly. So when I started last year, I'll be very honest, I climbed once with my stand. And that night was the night that Chris and Josh were over. They showed me how to use the stand. And that was it. And I had told myself, ah, you know, I'll go. I'll practice. I'll practice. I'll practice. It was about this time last year, which is two weeks before the season. So we talked about it, but I didn't follow through on it. And to be frank, opening day was a little rough just from the standpoint that I walked in. My stand was a little cattywampus on my back. The sticks weren't right the way they needed to be. My pack wasn't on my back the way that I preferred to have it. And it was a little bit different. So the first part that I would encourage everybody to do as as we move into the season is you need to practice. You know, we talk about shooting your bow and make sure that it's on point and all that kind of stuff, which is wonderful. Like you can, you know, shoot your bow over and over and over and over again at your local archery range, at your home, uh, you know, at, at your local wildlife area. There's plenty of places to go do that. For a lot of guys and girls out there, they don't have trees to climb up and down, though, near their homes. I mean, a lot of people live in the suburbs. Some might not have the ability to do that because they've got no trees in their neighborhood. And if you climb a tree, your HOA wants to wring your neck over it or something. But I decided that uh, I was going to figure this out. So opening day last year, I walked and walked and walked and I found a tree that I felt was suitable. Now, it was 95 degrees that day and, you know, blistering sun with a it eventually got overcast and a little bit of rain came. However, trying to climb a tree for really the first time with a stick with sticks in a stand proved to be a little bit more difficult. It took me a little bit to get in the tree and was a little bit eye-opening in the sense that if I had practiced, I would have done it quicker. Now, I brought up the bow part because people can practice with bows, but it makes sense to practice with your stand. Like This is a thing that you're putting up in a tree anywhere between 10 and 20 feet, and you're strapping yourself to the tree and hoping that you don't fall, let alone if you're using a saddle or a one stick or you know something of that nature that's going to be it's going to be far more freeing in a, in a in a certain sense where you're not going to have a ton of constraints you're going to have you're it's going to be you and the tree so first thing is i learned how to practice and when i say i learned how to practice i i learned by doing i went out and i failed 
And, you know, at times I got a little upset with myself with how I decided to go about it. And instead of going about it in the way that I knew best for me, I said, I'm going to you know, do this the way that everyone else does that I think in my head, and I'm just going to go out there and do it. Well, had I practiced and had I learned a little bit more, I would have done a whole lot better. So first part of this offseason was learning how to climb differently and learning how to climb better with my sticks. Now, um, I shouldn't say I had the two-step aiders at the start of the season last year. I had a single cable aider, which was a lot different. Uh, you know, the two-step aiders, are, especially with the webbing that, uh, that I have on there, it, it is, uh, for some people, it may be a little unsettling stepping on it. I'm kind of a somewhat anxious guy at times when trying to climb up a tree just because of all the horror stories you hear from people. But realistically, I got used to it, and I got used to it by doing it. And climbing up the tree, climbing down the tree with the stand on my back. Because the last thing you want to do is not have your stand on your back, set your sticks, and then have to go back down, get the stand, go back up, which you could do already. So I practiced going up and down a tree with it on my back. Now, the other part that I failed to think of last year, because the stand was pretty much already set up for a straight up and down tree. The new stand, however was not. And when I got in the tree and I was trying to cam buckle it in, the first thing I noticed was is that my cam buckles weren't set correctly. And I didn't know this. So the second piece of information, make sure all your equipment is the right way. Because when it's not the right way, you end up in a bad way. And when you end up in a bad way, you're going to end up getting hurt. You know, my stand when I went over to Chris's the other night it wouldn't attach to the tree correctly. And we kept thinking, like, what's going on here? And finally, I looked at him and said, the cam buckle's not right. And I had hunted somehow last season without this happening, uh, which, you know, in hindsight, is somewhat of a scary thing. And that's, that's a fault on my end where I was not properly prepared with my equipment. I am this year because I've looked it over. I've practiced with it. So safety is a huge part of getting up in these trees. So make sure your equipment works before you start climbing up and down these trees in these stands. A lot of people only use one cam buckle strap. Some people use two. Some people tow hook their stands. I've seen some stands lately where, you know, the grips on the tree are starting to snap because of they're being tow hooked in and, you know, you need to look at your stands to see if you can tow hook. You know, it, it, it might not be recommended, but <clears throat> a lot of people go ahead and do it anyways. That's also a real quick way to fall out of a tree and bang your head on the way down. And if you're back in the woods too far and people don't know where you're at because you're hiding your deer space, you know, you're going to be in a bad way. If you're looking for an affordable technical gear style clothing that performs well, that cuts weight from your clothing, but not from your wallet, check out Huntworth. Whether you're hunting early season in Nebraska, mid-season in Ohio, or late season in Iowa, Huntworth has a system to keep you comfortable and focused on your hunt. With early season fast approaching, we highly recommend checking out the Durham Lightweight Hunting Pants and the Midweight Shelton Hoodie. These items paired with an appropriate base layer will perform at a high level in multiple early season conditions when fishing and hunting.
So we've been on the search for a new broadhead this year, and after doing some research and kind of looking around, we found this company called Afflictor Broadheads. We got our hands on some of the heads this summer to test out, and guys, I got to tell you, I believe that this head will be in our quiver this fall. Each and every broadhead is hand-assembled in their Texas facility by people who truly care about your experience. This year, I'll be shooting the K2 Mini and the K2 Hybrid. And I got to tell you, I'm absolutely loving them. They fly great, they're extremely durable, and the penetration is just deadly. I can't express it enough. I also love the practice pin feature these guys came out with. So far, I'm really, really impressed. To learn more for yourself, check them out at afflictorbroadheads.com. Practicing getting up in the tree, practice sitting in the tree, practice leveling your stand, which is another thing. If you're shooting, standing up with a bow, like most people are when they're getting into a tree in early season and not using a crossbow, not that there's anything wrong with that. I shoot a crossbow fairly regularly, but you want to have a level stand. You want to be able to manage that in a good way, making sure your stand seat is level so you're not feeling like you're slipping out of the tree. The more comfortable you are, the less you're going to be worrying about things and the more you're going to be paying attention for when that deer does walk in front of you, whether it's a buck or a doe or whatever you're planning on going and getting this season. So I've practiced getting up and down the tree, and it's taken some getting used to. I'm not going to lie about it. It's different. It's not you know going to the ladder stand that I have set and just climbing up the tree and figuring it out. It's not just putting my climber on the tree uh, and adjusting it just a little bit to get it on there so I know where it's at. It's getting up in a tree after you've set your sticks and then re-leveling your stand and making sure that it's right. Now, I say all that to say this. It's real easy to practice this stuff on a straight up and down tree. There's a lot of straight up and down trees, but if you're like me, you're in an area where there's not a lot of straight up and down trees. And you have to adapt to that. So the second part that I I kind of want to touch on here is adaptation. Adapting to the surroundings where you're hunting is extremely important. Adapting to the areas where you're hunting is extremely important. For the sole fact that you're going to have to look around for different winds anyways if you want to hunt in this specific area. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. So I went and did my last camera card pull before the season yesterday. Josh thinks I'm an idiot for doing it, but you know what? I wanted to do it. I needed to get in there, and I needed to get those cams out of there just to make sure that it was safe and that I knew what I was going in looking at because I don't want to walk in there on opening day, not have a tree, and not know where I'm going to be at. So the area I'm I'm currently hunting for opening day is I have a ladder stand in a in a nice, you know, older white oak right on a right on a tree line or a fence line. The problem with that is is that that's about the only nice tree that's there. So you come to a question of this is the best you put this here because this is for the best wind possible in this area. Now, that stand has tilted, it has, you know, it's not as level as I would like for it to be. I really only crossbow hunt out of it for that reason. So the next question is, well, what trees can I get up in around here? And a lot of them are spindly and small. And that's not to say that you can't get up in a tree like that. But what that does boil down to for you 
is are you going to be able to make a good shot out of a small tree if you have a wind, if you have a rain, if you are you going to be covered enough? Does it make sense to be able to get in that tree? Is it the right wind for you to be in that tree? So knowing where you're going in and having several trees picked out is another part of practicing. This also goes back into everything that we've talked about in early season scouting. Allowing yourself to do these things and allowing yourself to be able to pick things out. This is the tree that I want to be in in a south wind. This is the one I want to be in a north wind. This is a northeast wind tree. This is a west tree. This is an east tree, even though, you know, hunting an east wind, you know, wind from the east, you see the least beast. Reality being, though, it all depends on where you're hunting and how you're hunting. Typically, I would say play the wind, play the wind, play the wind. And some guys, they can't do that. It, it's just a realistic thing, and that's the way that it is. I would say, you know, still going in and looking at stuff, make what you have, uh, make the best out of any situation that you have available to you overall. It's tough, and I understand that. However, if you can figure these things out through preseason scouting or getting in a little bit before the season starts, especially if you're going in on public land, allowing yourself to look around a little bit more and making sure that you're ticking off all these things. It's real easy to go on Facebook and criticize somebody or Twitter or whatever and say, well, that's not what I would do. And rather than giving suggestions or not you know, expressing any type of woodsmanship or sportsmanship to somebody and helping them along, you know, too often there's guys who go on social media sites or things along those lines and who will criticize or yell or pick fights. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. It's better to be somebody's neighbor and help them understand it so you can be safe in the woods, they can be safe in the woods, and that everybody can get along a little bit better. So there's an understanding there amongst sportsmen and sportswomen that is more collegial, and you can help each other out. You know, I'm not telling you to go like spot burn or anything like that, but if somebody doesn't know something on public land or doesn't know what they're doing, or can't tell a red oak from a white oak, it may be helpful to teach that person something. I, 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 tell, I say this every week on this podcast. Get somebody outdoors if you can. Here's another one. Teach somebody the outdoors if they don't know what they're looking at. It is such a helpful thing for somebody who doesn't know to pick out, hey, a red oak goes at the end of the season because all the tannins have leached out of it. That's a great late-season food source. You might want to sit on that one during muzzleloader in December. Or, this is a white oak. This is typically when they drop their acorns. That's a pawpaw. This is a persimmon. Help people out in understanding that. I found that uh, I am one of those individuals, and Chris and I laugh about this because he, he often says, well, you just need to let me come sit in a tree next to you and scream at you, and, you know, to make the shot better. I'm not a learner like that. I like somebody teaching me, and then I go about doing it, which leads me into archery. I make no bones about it. I'm not a huge archery guy, and I've said this multiple times. However, not being a huge archery guy also gets in my head that I can't make good shots all the time, which you know presents as, I would assume, some form of target panic or something along those lines. And you know, For those of you who are out there, uh, I shoot a Scott's Little Goose release, and for years... I punch the button, just punch punch the trigger every single time, and guess what happens? Arrow goes right, arrow goes right, arrow goes right, every single time. 
Chris took the time the other day to help me understand breaking a shot better. You know, I, I'm still, I prefer a wrist release versus a thumb button or something like that. However, there's a reality here that I was not breaking shots a correct way. I was not squeezing my shoulders. I was pulling my head like I do during golf or something like that and shanking the ball. It's the same, it's the same principle with an arrow. And practicing that over time and really being better about that has made my shots and shot placement so much better. And my hitting dimes, uh, you know, out at 40 yards, no. But I'm consistently hitting within an eight, an eight ring on my target from 30 yards out because I'm, I'm decided that I'm going to really not lose the arrow until I know I can lose that arrow. I'm not going to break that shot unless I decide I'm going to break that shot. Nobody's telling me I have to do it. Nobody's telling me I don't have to do it. It's all between the space in my ear, between my ears. And I'm sure a lot of individuals out there listening to this are probably nodding their head a little bit because they're the same way. Outside of some of the archers that we have that listen to this who are, you know, very, very good. You know, we've had grip on here before, Chris as well, who shoot IBO. We had Luke on here. Um, I believe a couple years ago, talking about this kind of stuff. And it's easy to get entrenched in that everyone knows how to do this stuff. There's guys like me out there who don't, just flat out don't. And people can get discouraged. They move to other means of hunting where they're only using guns rather than trying to do something with a bow. Or they only shoot crossbows, which you know breaks down part of the season for them as well in certain states. So there's a reality here that if we talk to one another and we help each other practice and we build each other up, you end up in a better space. I say all this to say, I say all that <laughs> to say this though, there are some people who work really well under pressure and if you're screaming at them. You know, there is... <laughs> There is a big portion of individuals who are the light your fire under your ass type guys who do really well with that. And if you're one of those people, kudos to you. I, I, I appreciate your ability to do that. I am not one of those people. And when someone just sits there and screams, it's kind of like I just turn the volume down and zone completely out. And you, I'm sure you have friends like that out there who are the same way. It's better to figure out how a person learns to adapt and help them change. We do the same with deer. We learn how the deer learn. We learn how we we go through and we look at how the deer learns through its nose, how the deer learns through its eyes, how the deer learns through its ears. Why do we not do that same thing with other hunters and help the help build each other up versus tearing each other down? There's a reality here that we can all kind of come together under going into deer season and really push each other in an extremely, extremely healthy direction. And I really hope that as you all are listening to this and as you all are thinking about where you're going to be aiming on opening day and where you're going to be sitting on opening day, the wheels are turning, which brings me to my last point. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink things. And I know that's an easy thing to say, but you can practice that. Practicing things when you're not under stress is the best way to do something when you are under stress. You know, I, I've said this before. 
I'm a mental health therapist. I work with people every day on this kind of stuff who overthink things. And it's real easy to get inside your head and focus only on one thought that you're screwing something up or if you just change this one little thing or if this one thing happened. Well, guess what? We can't live in that past. You got to move forward and you got to be able to practice doing things the right way and practice being out of your head, focusing on the tip of your arrow, making sure that that you're going to shoot where you want to shoot and understanding that you're the master of your own destiny when you start deciding if you're going to think or overthink things. If you practice and you go over your equipment and you make sure that you have everything ready for opening day, guess what? You're that much closer to success and a deer stepping out in front of you and you having a wonderful opening day. Guys, my concluder, as always, if you have the ability, get somebody outdoors and be there for them and help mentor or tutor them. It's a great thing that you can do for someone, especially with deer season coming in September 3rd in Kentucky. Squirrel season actually just opened today. It's Saturday as I'm recording this, and it would have been a beautiful morning to get somebody out in the woods. So I encourage each and every one of you as these seasons come in, take someone out. Take someone out into the woods, whether they're older, whether they're younger. Help someone understand the outdoors as much as you do and help them live a life that is enjoyable and give can be given on to other individuals as well. This has been Fueled by the Outdoors. I've been your host, Rick Cates. Guys, thanks for listening, and I'll talk at you next time. Bye. <laughs>